Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. Today, I wanna to talk about something that a lot of people have been asking about, both here and at jazzwire.net, and that is avoid notes. The notes we've been told are not great on such and such a chord, and how do you know what the avoid notes are, and if you hit an avoid note, what do you do? Uh, it's a great topic, avoid notes. And um, so that's what we're gonna dig into. And uh, the biggest thing I want to say right off the bat, sort of spoiler alert here, is there's no such thing as avoid notes. That's ridiculous. Avoid notes, please. No, there's, they don't exist. Uh, the avoid notes are the fun stuff, okay? It's like, uh, are there avoid topics of conversation? In a sense, there are. You don't walk into a room full of strangers and start talking about religion and sex and politics, right? You may want to work up to those. On the other hand, you'll be the interesting person at the party if that's how you roll. Got it? Right. It's the same with cooking. There's a million analogies. Are there avoid spices? That's kind of silly, right? Ice cream and wasabi, they shouldn't go together, except one day somebody put them together and it actually tastes kind of good, right? So the idea is these avoid notes. They are tensions and some of them are strong, strong tensions, just like there are strong, strong spices, but we have to know what to do with them. So we're gonna work through this today, avoid notes. The idea is avoid notes are the fun stuff. That's where it happens. So uh, let me get to the piano here and we'll just listen to some of these things, some of these notes that perhaps you've been told about. So here are some of the classic ones. On a major seventh chord, I remember being told way back when the fourth scale degree isn't very good. And yes, when we play it in an accented way and sit there and thump away on it, we hear that rubbing of the fourth scale degree against one of the other notes, the third. That is a classic avoid note. So what's another one that I wrote here? A minor third on a major seven chord. That's a clanker. I play it constantly in all my solos, and so do most of your heroes. And we can go on, let me do one more. On a minor seventh chord, playing a major seventh. Yeah, that's kind of a clanker except for I use that over most minor seven chords that I run across, most, not once in a while or when I'm feeling crazy. Most of the time, I'll use that note. Avoid notes, so what's the deal? So let me do this. I'm gonna put a PDF on the screen. I'm happy to send you this. I uh, hope you're interested in it. And what I did is I wrote eight measures and uh, I wrote it over the changes to Girl from Ipanema or Take the A Train. This is actually something we studied in the last video, number 79. So using those chord changes and I composed an etude or a composed solo or whatever you wanna call it, trying to use a pile of these wrong notes. So let me just play it through for you now and see what it sounds like to you. Are you really hearing all these clanky notes that I just played? So I'm gonna use all those notes and many more as bad. Bad. Here we go.
So there it was. I played it twice through. And of course, you know, you're beginning to hear those tensions really rubbing. I put a bunch in a row. I played the same thing twice. But did any of that offend your delicate sensibilities? I'm thinking not. If you listen to jazz, that's the sound of jazz. So I use tons of these quote unquote avoid notes. There's no such thing as an avoid note. Now, yes, perhaps developmentally, you would tell a four-year-old, hey, let's not go and talk about this and this when we go see your grandma, okay? They don't know how to handle that subject, how to broach it, how to get out of it, how to give it context, right? If your kid is cooking for the first time, you don't give them those three ingredients because, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible. Okay, sure, when we're at some super-duper level like that. But um, we're not there. Most of us are not there. And our ears will tell us what's going on. So here's the thing. When you play a note that sounds wrong, that sounds crunchy, like, oh my God, I hope I never play that note again. Mm -mm. You're going to be playing that note and loving that note. Now, I tell you what, here's, here's the experience I had in college. I did eight years of university and college studying this stuff. And... Um, I had fantastic professors. I went to a, the University of North Texas. I went to Grant McEwen University in Canada. I, I, I had great classes and great experiences. But what I learned the most from was when I would be hanging out with my friends and listening to music and playing music and getting tips from my friends or having a friend look at me kind of sideways like, dude, that wasn't so cool whatever it was. That's where I learned the most, that experience of being together and learning in that setting. It's so, so important. And that's where I sort of got this idea of these, you know, these avoid notes is what excited me about my friends playing or we would, when we would be listening to a Joe Henderson album or a Wynton Kelly album. It wasn't all the consonant notes that were the ones that would excite me. It was the notes that had some crunch some energy. They had some tension in them. I was watching a great movie last night and it was the scenes that had the tension and then a crazy unexpected release that was the fun stuff. A filmmaker doesn't avoid tension. So you as a jazz musician should not avoid tension. You should not think about it in those terms. These quote unquote avoid notes are great tensions. Every single one of them also has a classic resolution, the place where that note is screaming to go. So yes, we can then release there, or we can be really fancy and extend the tension, build more tension as a good writer or filmmaker does, and release it just that much later. That is the music you love to listen to. Those are the interesting conversations. That is the food you pay a premium for to have an experience. So this idea of avoid notes, let's avoid that. So we don't want to think about it in that way. We're going to think about it as tension and release. So I used a bunch of analogies from uh, speaking, right? Or writing a script or directing a movie or the culinary arts, cooking. Whatever it is, it's about tension and release. So yes, at a beginner, beginner level, we'll avoid such and such because that's hard to handle. But very quickly, we want to be thinking about those notes. And now that is a lot of what I've done here in the Digging Deeper um, videos. We've talked about triad pairs. We've talked about enclosures. We've talked about uh, chromatic neighbors and bebop scales, hundreds of things I can't even remember anymore that give us concepts, ways to handle these tensions, these avoid notes, right? So every single one of those things I named is a way to play some crazy ass notes and have them sound fantastic. 
Why? How does that work? The secret is there's a resolution. So the avoid note has a resolution. When I'm playing that fourth scale degree on a uh, major chord, where does that want to release? Most of us will hear that wanting to go. That's the classic resolution, resolving down a half step to the third. There's kind of a hipper resolution maybe. Wow, so that was a tension resolving to a tension. But to me, it sounded like a resolution. So this is where it gets kind of subjective how our ears are developed, what we can handle, what our palates can handle. So that is uh, kind of the way I want to put it for you today, is just the concept that avoid notes are not to be avoided. They are the interesting tensions. There's only 12 notes here, right? And I remember having the experience as a younger player, but still to this day, I look at a transcription of a great solo, and I see crazy notes, a C major 7, and then the great soloist is playing C sharps and D sharps and G flats. What? How is that possible on a C major seven chord? That's what's going on. They're playing these avoid notes, but they know how. They know how to resolve them. So that is why we study all the things I was talking about, bebop scales and enclosures and all these other things. They give us a framework to play these notes. And as we're practicing, here's the cool thing, our ears are developing the sense of, ah, oh, this note does like to go there. Now, I wasn't born with the greatest ear, so I had to practice enclosures thousands, thousands, thousands of times for my ears to get used to that. Huh, that's what that sounds like. And now, I don't have to think about enclosures anymore. My ear hears them and my fingers go there. This is after thousands of hours of practice of this stuff. Not only running it over a thousand times, but running it over 4,000 hours. That's how it worked for me, and that's how it works for many of us. All right, I think you get the idea here. So if you'd be interested in getting the PDF, uh, let me know. I'd be happy to send it to you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, just improvise a little bit on the way out. I'm just going to loop those A sections, that eight measures, and I'm going to improvise. And as I go along, I'm going to try to sort of turn up the tension in various spots. And essentially, I'm going to be playing all 12 notes over most of these chords at some point, but the hope is that it makes sense. It doesn't sound like chromatic BS, like chromatic soup. I'm just skating over the changes. It should sound like I'm nailing the changes, frankly. So let's give this a try. Thank you so much for tuning in here, digging deeper, and uh, we'll see you again next time.